So hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 91 of Level Up, 60 minutes of live Q&A, where your questions, chat and votes really do drive the show. A warm welcome to everybody, of course, who's joining us today on LinkedIn and on YouTube. Please do let us know your name and where you're joining from in the chat. We'd love to hear from you. Hayley and Bronwyn are online as our social team today, and they'll be posting links into the chat to vote up the questions that you would most like answered, and of course, to add your own. We live stream Mondays at 8 and Fridays at 2 p.m. UK time to both end points on YouTube and LinkedIn. If your question selected, your name is going to appear in the credits at the end of the show. So do get your questions in early and stay with us to see all of that happen. Today, we're going to be talking less about business challenges and more about kind of the professional development world so that we can equip ourselves to become more resilient and more relevant in the coming weeks and months. Um, a lot of folks are concerned, I think, at the moment, rightly so, um, about what their futures may hold. But one of the ways in which we can do that is to continually develop our own competency and capability by uh, learning new skills and also by putting ourselves through a little bit of testing to make sure that we've understood those um the information that we've learned, and also can apply it in real life. So preparing for exams is our theme for today. And I'm really delighted that we've got a highly experienced panel who we're going to work with, who I'm sure are going to offer some, us some great help and advice. So let's jump straight in and meet them all and begin with Marion. Marion Bell is a management consultant, very experienced trainer with Blue Visions and the Institute of Management. She upskills her clients across project management and capability frameworks, a whole range of different leading practice and best practices, including working in the agile world and, of course, um, the world of organizational change and change management. So welcome back to the panel, Marion. Lovely to see you. Thanks very much, Nick. It's great to be back and especially for such an interesting and important topic. Thank you. All right. Excellent. Very good. Um, Shanice Mitchell-Cox um, works, actually. She's a colleague at APMG. So welcome back, um, Shanice, to a panel role. She's a customer insight analyst um, here with us. And together with her colleagues, I think out of all of us today on the panel, she probably speaks to the largest number of people in a week of any of us. And they're from all over the world. As she works with folks who are just about to take their exams and in supporting them as they go through that process and immediately afterwards. So um, she's also currently outside of work studying for a bachelor degree focused on business um, in parallel with her day job. So um, fantastic. Janice, welcome back to the panel. Thank you so much for having me here today. It's so nice to be on the panelist side and I hope I can share some insights to help you all watching uh, at home today. Thank you, Nick. All right. Okay, very good. Thanks so much. Uh, Diane, Diane Rampadareth is, of course, the Assistant Director at the Public Service of the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago. Um, Diane is a self-confessed lifelong learner who has a passion for lifting others up and helping them achieve their full potential. Uh, welcome back to Level Up, Diane. Lovely to see you. Thanks very much, Nick. So I'm looking forward to a very interesting show because we all would like to get 100% in our exams. So whatever tips and advice uh, someone taking an exam can get are very much welcome. So thank you again. I completely agree with that. You know, we have, um, as adults, we kind of fall out a little bit of those techniques, you know, because we don't use them as frequently as we do when we're younger. So getting those little hints mm -hmm. and tips and inside ideas and so on going to be super helpful. Uh, Etienne Chardlow is a senior consultant and lead trainer over at Symphonize Consulting, and uh, he works with organizations to help them align their IT and their business strategies. And of course, you know, with his focus on the human dimension, enabling people to be their very best at work is super, super important. And no no stranger, I think, to APMG exams either, Etienne. So you have that kind of slightly haunted look about you that says, oh, I've said a lot of these things. Um, welcome to Level Up. Yeah, <laughs> I've written a lot of APMG exams, so yeah. 
Um, and I also spend a lot of my time uh, guiding and coaching training. So I'm always helping people with their exam prep. So hopefully I'll be able to share some insights today. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. So we've got Marion and Etienne, who are our two most experienced people in teaching the courses and helping people prepare and set themselves up to succeed. Um, we've got Diane and, of course, Shanice, who are experienced in um, being on the other side of that equation and thinking through, you know, how do you go about taking them and getting yourself set up to succeed in that perspective as well. Also joining us from the UK, although I think in a different location today, is Charlotte Miller. She is our question master for today. Um, so welcome back, Charlotte. Um, how are you? I'm good, thank you very much. And I'm coming from a very sunny Yorkshire today. All right. Okay. Well, um, lovely to hear that. Um, for those of you who are geographically challenged, Google Maps is a great resource to be able to figure out <laughs> where we all might be okay excellent well look on that note i think we should kind of jump in and take our first question if we may charlotte thanks nick we've got a question from scott what tips can you provide for pre-exam nerves okay shanice why don't you start us off and then we'll hear from marion it's a great question, Scott, because I think we all struggle sometimes with those nerves when it comes to an exam or an assignment. So I would say know what is required of you. Know your syllabus inside out. Know what questions you are going to ask by sitting a sample exam and just know the uh, software that you are using, whether that's an online exam or a prop to you exam. Okay, all right, excellent. Some really good tips to get us going. Uh, Marion, your thoughts, please. Um, having pre-exam um, nerves is actually a really good thing because it actually sharpens your focus. So when I'm going into exam, I'd be more concerned if I wasn't nervous because then I, I, I you make use of that adre adrenaline. But if you do find that it's actually starting to sort of drain you, you can do sort of some deep breathing, so sort of four in, hold for four, out for four, hold for four, and carry on like that until you can actually calm yourself down. But I wouldn't get too phased about it unless it really impacts the way you approach the exam. All right. That's a really good point. A little bit of um, that feeling of anticipation, it can be a really good thing. Uh, Diane, your thoughts, please, and then Etienne. Yes, we've always had those pre-exam nerves and just echo the sentiments of the other panelists that breathing exercises can help as well as also studying and preparing well for the exam so that you don't have that level of anxiety at the day of the exam. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, Etienne, your thoughts, please. Yeah, um, a lot of what I wanted to say has already been said, you know, just in terms of Make sure you know what you need to know for the exam. So be prepared and then make sure you've tested your equipment, that you've got everything that you need. Um, my advice is always check to make sure that you, you know, what you're allowed to take into the exam, what you're not. Um, are you allowed to have black pages in the exam? I find that always helps. You know, so sometimes you want to scribble or scratch. Um, and just make sure that you're ready. Um, and then the kind of breathing exercises and, you know, any anything that you can do to help you relax, but I think just knowing that you're you're prepared and you've got everything that you need at hand and you're sorted before you walk into that exam, that helps a lot. Something else that I always suggest you do is check how long your exam is and get a feel for how long you've got per question. And when you go into the exam feeling more confident, it does help with that nervousness. Um, but yeah, nervousness is natural and uh, and it certainly helps. Um, it gives you that adrenaline rush that you need to kind of think sharply. 
Yeah, I completely agree with everything really that the the panel has said about managing. It's a question of managing, you know, those nerves. They manifest themselves in different ways with different people. You know, some people, you know, ride the wave of adrenaline, um, to Etienne's point, you know, a little bit better than perhaps some others. But, you know, if you are feeling a bit overwhelmed, there's some really good coping strategies there. You know, um, believe in yourself, I would say. You've got that. Uh, you've got that far. You've already been, you know, kind of through the course. You've got to this point. You know, why not? Why not get through that finish line and uh, you know receive the uh, recognition, you know, from your colleagues and your friends. And you can just look on LinkedIn and see that all of the time. You know, people share that they've taken this exam, they've just passed it, they post their digital badge, and it's a fantastic outpouring of positivity you know, that comes from their colleagues and uh, is shared with your network. And um, I completely agree with that. It's a lovely idea to share those breathing techniques and that thorough preparation kind of beforehand. So excellent. Very good. So Charlotte, if we can, please, let's take our next question. Thanks, Nick. We've got a question from Olivia. Olivia asks, how do we, sorry, how do I know when to stop studying? Okay, that's a fantastic question, this one, Olivia. Thank you so much. Marion, start us off and then we'll hear from Diane. I think the flip answer here would be when you start to lose the will to live. But if you are working with a sample exam papers, what I would suggest is do those papers over and over until you're getting approximately 90 to 100% in the answers. And it's not just enough to be getting those answers right. You need to know why the other three in the multiple choices are wrong. Because in the exam, they could actually twist that question around and one of those other questions becomes the right answer. So you need to not only know what the right answer is, but understand why the other three are wrong. Thanks. Yeah, really, really, really good thoughts there, actually, because mm. we're rascals like that, aren't we? The folks that write the exams, mm. we um, <laughs> rather construct the exams. We come up with these little distractor type questions that sound quite plausible, don't they? until you really kind of think it through and then suddenly it's obvious. Okay, all right, very good. Thank you so much. Uh, Diane, your thoughts, please, and then Etienne. Yes, taking the sample exams are always very helpful. So what you can do is actually track your progress the number of times you take the sample exams and the score that you get. So as your score starts to increase, then you know that you're more comfortable with the exam, you have a better understanding of the questions. And then you may feel more comfortable to take the exam. Mm, really, really good advice um, there. And that repetition is also a super helpful way for human beings to learn things. You know, we we learn through repetition and uh, it really does kind of seal that understanding into, into your mind for recall later on. Thank you, Diane. Etienne and then Shanice. What I find often is in your exam prep, you will start to become really more comfortable with material and you'll, you'll, you'll get to a point where you're quite comfortable. And then you, then you kind of step over this line where you start second guessing yourself and confusing yourself. That is the point to stop. <laughs> yeah. Once you get to that point where it, you're starting to second guess your answers and stop, you know it well enough. Now you're just going to confuse yourself by you know, overthinking, overanalyzing everything it does come a point where it's a good idea to stop. Very good. Thank you so much. And Shanice? So I use a technique where I use a study planner before my studies um, have been laid out. So I will plan to study for maybe 45 minutes. When I reach that point, I'll set an alarm on my phone so that I'm notified to take a break. So I'll do a 45 minute study session to a 15 minute break ratio. And if I continue at that pace, I make sure that I go for a walk, step outside of my office to make sure I'm breaking that concentration, changing the scenery. It makes my studying uh, session so much more powerful because I get the reward at the end of a little break. So that's what I would recommend. 
Yeah, it's a it's a really really good point. I mean, one of the things that you might want to consider, everybody, is um, just thinking about um, first of all the uh, the marathon runners. You know, the marathon runners when they're preparing for their race, um, twenty four hours before they actually, um, you know, mm-hmm. they actually take a little break. You know, and they don't they don't go out and train 24 hours before because they've kind of got to that point. What what is done is done. Okay. And there's Mm -hmm. an important element Mm -hmm. of that about timing when you take that little break, you know, before you are actually um, going to, you know, open up the exam session and and begin and so on. Now we're seeing in the chat um, a listing of all of the folks who are, uh, chatting with us from around the world. It's really great uh, to welcome you all. Welcome, um, Ella. It's great to see you from the UK. Ella's a, a colleague in APMG, so welcome, Ella. Um, Haley is, of course, down in Canberra. I say down in Canberra. It depends. If you're in Canberra, of course, you know exactly where you are. Um, uh, Ag- Ag- Agnes, I think it is. Um, I'm guessing uh, that you're kind of tuning in um, from maybe from Poland. I'm not sure. Uh, It doesn't actually say on today's chat, but we've got some regular folks who are coming um, to us. Rory, great to see you. Thank you very much for joining. And also we've got uh, Mobile Gamer over on YouTube, which is brilliant. Um, Albera, thank you so much. Watching from Qatar, lovely to see you, my friend. And I'm hoping to get some of your questions in, everybody, um, in the next few minutes so that we can put those to the panel so that you can connect directly with them. And welcome back, um, Adriana, as well, another colleague who's joining us from London today. Um, We've got some great great contributions already in the chat, just been reading some of them, so we'll return to those in a few minutes. But in the meantime, um, Charlotte, if we can, please, can we take our next question? You can, Nick. And we've got a question from Jasmine. Jasmine asks, is an exam necessary? Is it not more important to learn the content? (laughs) God, a great question, Jasmine. Thank you so much. Etienne, let me hear from you first, if I may, and then we'll come to Marion. Well, I would say the content is more necessary than the exam. Yeah, Um, it really is good to learn whatever it is that you're learning. The exam allows you to show people that you know what you've learned. Um, Without the exam, you've got no way of proving the knowledge that you've got. Um, It also helps you feel more confident that you actually know this. If you don't write the exam, you think you know it, um, but you don't know that you know it. Having that exam result, having that certificate, helps you to know that you know it and it helps you to show others that you know it so i would say you know as much as the content is the most important that certificate that exam result allows you to demonstrate it and that for me is also important so yeah yeah absolutely right thank you so much Uh, marion and then diane please I 100% agree with what Etienne said, so I won't repeat anything that he said. But just one other point about writing the exam is you get the certification and you get that badge and you can use it in your CV. If you're not looking for a job and you work for a company that does consulting and they're sending your CV out to potential clients, it just makes your CV look that little bit better as well. Um, You obviously are not going to pass the exam if you don't learn the content. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, we had a we had a really really good uh, comment um, a couple of weeks ago actually by a um, lady who runs um, an, uh, a site for intrapreneurs. These are people who add value within their current organisation, and she was stressing how important it is to do exactly what you've just been saying, Marion. You know, invest in yourself, invest mm-hmm. in your career, because you're adding value all mm-hmm. of the time to yourself, your team, and your organisation. Okay, very good, thank you. Um, Diane, your thoughts on this, please. So content is always important because it enhances your technical capacity and capability. But taking the exam leads to certification, which is an external verification of your knowledge and what you've learned. And also, if you want like to go to the next level, for example, if you've taken the foundation level course, to be able to do the practitioner, you would have to show 
a certificate that you've done the course. So it also allows you to move to the next level. Thanks. Yeah, so, so, so important. And, you know, often I see kind of online that, um, you know, training companies in their wish to give something back, you know, to the learners will give them an attendance certificate. Okay. And an attendance certificate, you know, whilst interesting, it's not really that helpful to you later on. It's particularly unhelpful if you're working in a regulated environment. Regulators increasingly want to see evidence. Okay. And the, the fact that you attended a course isn't really evidence that you learned anything. Whereas an examination and a certificate is evidence of that. And it provides rather like your driving license. It, it provides you with an ability in the future to prove that you know you met or exceeded a required standard you know at a point in time it, it's no excuse for driving badly by the way <laughs> it's no excuse for driving badly is it but it does give other people you know that evidence base to be able to say you know um we can put the trust you know in this person because it's not just what they think good looks like good looks like it's actually you know a certification body you know who have built this qualification in a particular way so very good thank you very much indeed and jasmine fantastic question bridging that world between teaching and learning and the qualifications themselves excellent very good um so charlotte if we can let's go and take our next question we can nick and it's a live question from one of our viewers milvio is it better to undertake the exam at the end of the training course or better to undertake further self-study? All right, Shanice, start us off, then we'll hear from Etienne. I have recently attended a self-study um, course myself and I have left the exam for a couple of weeks when all the other re the rest of the group uh, studied it, uh, sat the exam as soon as we'd finished studying. Now I'm in that position where... I need to catch up with my studies and I still need to book an exam and the, that exam uh, nerves are setting in. So I would 100% recommend not doing what I've do, done and sit the exam at the end of the course, uh, because if not, you'll be in my situation. <laughs> I think it's fetched really honest, you know, kind of from the heart, authentic <laughs> answer um, to, to share with Milvio there. Thank you so much indeed. Um, Etienne, your thoughts on this, and then we'll hear from Marion. Yeah, with my students, when I'm training a class, I always make the exam an option on the last day of the course, so you can write immediately. I always recommend that you write while the information is still fresh. Um, I find that if you leave it longer than a week after the course, you're asking for trouble. Um, so I always say to people, you know, book your exam now, um, even if you're not going to write on the last day of the course, which is usually advisable. If you don't write on the last day, book and write within seven days. Um, don't leave it any longer than that. Thank you very much indeed, Marion. Um, I'm in two minds about this one. Um, I think if you're going to attend a course, then you've got to be in the classroom the full for the full course. There's no leaving to go for meetings or taking phone calls or anything like that. You've got to be fully present and you've got to do the homework that the facilitator sets for you in terms of what's got to be studied after hours. If you do that, then I think it's, it's very good to write immediately after the course, get it over and done with while the material is still fresh in your mind. However, and this seems to happen with online learning, people just now don't take it as seriously to be in the class the whole time. So if you find yourself in that situation, take a bit of time out to study, gather your thoughts, structure the content in your mind, in your textbook if necessary. And But again, I agree with Etienne, no more than a week out um, and make sure that the date is booked as you start your course. So there's no sort of bailing and sort of, oh, I'll do it next week, I'll do it next week, because the longer you take, the less chance you've got of actually passing that exam. Yeah, really, really good advice. Statistically, everybody, um, you are most likely to score your highest marks um, if you take the exam very close to when you finish the formal part of the learning. All right. Now, if you're in a self-study group, as Janice has already shared, then the best time to take the exam actually is with other people straight away. 
Okay. If you leave it so that it's a, a unilateral decision of your of yourself, then a you're most likely to prevaricate, <laughs> and secondly, all right, you're also most likely to ratchet up the stakes in your own mind as to what the outcome might be, and then that will in, it's a bit of a vicious circle, Dad. Right? You just keep putting it off. So you, we do see as an exam institute a much higher rate of um of scores right, much higher scores uh, being attained very close you know to the end of courses however as the other panelists have said you need to be in the course all right and it's something that um in around about 1995 um when i was teaching myself i was kind of thinking you know we should stop calling uh, people who attend courses, delegates. At the time in Europe, we used to use this word all the time. You're a course delegate. In other words, somebody has delegated to you the responsibility to come and sit in the exam. And ever since then, I've been on a bit of a mission to try and turn that round into participant. Okay, <laughs> you can't you can't just sit in there, okay, and expect the teacher, inspect the trainer, and expect the you know, person leading the learning, all right, to get it into your brain. All right? It doesn't work like that. Okay. You need to participate, you need to engage, and you need to commit fully. And in an online world, that means setting aside the distractions of life, you know, around you. Put that phone out of reach, you know, give yourself fully to the class because that is where you're going to derive the most value. So on that note, I think we'll move on, if we can, Charlotte, please, and we'll take our next question. Thanks, Nick. Our next question is from Kate in Perth, and it's something that Shanice and I have seen a lot. Um, what yeah. do I do if my internet drops out during the exam? Okay, Shanice, you deal with this a great deal. Start us off. Firstly, know who to contact if you need support. There is nothing worse than looking around for numbers, email addresses, things like that. Just have them before your exam. Secondly, remain calm. Somebody can help you. You're going to have to reach out to them to let them know. So remain calm and reach out to a person that can help you, whether that be your exam institute, your trainer or your invigilator. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much indeed. Really good um, idea to have those support uh, contacts, you know, available to you and within uh, within easy access. Uh, Marion, your thoughts, please. Then Etienne. Um, generally, try and calm down to a panic before you re-click the link again, because <laughs> generally, and if it happens, it's the most awful feeling. You think you're going to lose everything. But, but seriously, if you just go back to the link, as, as Shanice has said, re-click the link and you've got a, a proctor there as well who can also assist you. And the system, I promise you, it's happened to me, it does save your answers. It's not a big deal. Yeah, it's a good point. All right, these systems are engineered, okay, with disruption in mind. So you've not lost everything. Not at all, all right, and you can resume. Um, so very good. Thank you uh, very much indeed. Um, Etienne, you're, you're often teaching in an environment where stable internet connection can be a challenge from time to time. So what advice do you give to your students? Yeah, and electricity, <laughs> and electricity drops too. <laughs> um, so um, I, always, I always say to people, if something happens during your exam and you lose your connection, if you're able to re-establish your connection, you can use the same connection link that you use to log into your exam, and your exam will resume where you left off. You just need to get back online with your proctor, with your with your exam. Your exam would usually let you straight back into where you left off. Um, as you said, the systems are built in such a way that you won't lose any of your answers. If you have a problem where you can't get back online immediately, yeah, uh, maybe you don't have a backup solution or you don't have uh, any way of restoring your connectivity, then contact your trainer, contact your proctor, contact the exam institute and and see what you know, what plans can be made. Um, most of the time, you, know, you will know 
the exam institutes are accommodating and will understand when there is an emergency situation like this or, you know, um, they can see that your exam terminated unexpectedly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they will, they will know yeah, that, yeah, this was beyond your control and they're usually very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Shanice, come back in and then we'll hear from Marion. So if you do experience an issue during your exam when it comes to internet, uh, your exam provider, if they are notified, would normally add additional time back onto your exam so that you're not at a disadvantage. We understand internet drops out. It's not in your control. So just contact your exam institute. You know, they'll be there to help you. All right, excellent. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Shanice. Marion? Um, I was writing an exam the one day when the fire alarm went off in our building. And of course, it's shrieking at you to get, you know, leave the building now, leave the building now. So I just got in touch with my proctor. They could obviously hear the noise in the background as well. We just um, stopped the exam and I went out, did everything I had to do. When it was safe, I came back in and I carried on writing the exam. So they really do accommodate any type of situation that you might find yourself in when you're writing an exam. Yeah, that communication is so, so, so important. Now, the irony is, of course, with um, with a lot of things now, is that, you know, the help is all available on the internet. And if your internet connection <laughs> isn't there, it's hard to get help. So you're kind of caught in this catch-22 um, arrangement. But what you can do, of course, is use a, another mechanism. So, you know, if you're uh, if you're able to get an internet connection on your phone, you could use your phone to be able to, you know, just explain and so on. We can indeed see in the back end, all right, of the exam systems, we can see when somebody's connection has disappeared. And we can also see when, uh, and, and here often, you know, an interruption which necessitates, as Marion has said, you know, uh, a pause in the exam session itself. That's never mm -hmm. a problem. And APMG work very hard actually around the world to try and give you uh, local capability and also increasingly chat capability. You know, chat is used a great deal, particularly if English is not your first language. Using the chat function that you have available to get help and support from APMG is a good one because it allows you obviously to use translation tools and for, for you to often, it's a little easier to sometimes read English if it's your second or your third language than it is to listen mm -hmm. and respond to the local accent of the person on the end of the telephone. So just consider that as an option mm -hmm. for you to take as well. Um, we've got some really good attendance today online. Um, so a big shout out to everybody who's um, out there in social. Thank you so much indeed. We've got people from pretty much every continent now actually um, engaging with us for this really, really important um, session. Samson uh, Damilari, thank you so much for joining from West Africa, from Nigeria. Um, uh, Kasahun, uh, Warm greetings back, my friend, uh, to you in Ethiopia. Lovely um, to see you. Uh, Matt, thank you very much for joining. Don't know whereabouts in the world you're joining from, but um, you know, great to uh, kind of see you online today as well. And Deepanka, thank you very much indeed as well as you're exploring the world of change management certification. You know, we are here to help you, my friend, and figure out what is going to be best for you and your situation. All right, very good. Charlotte, let's carry on, please, if we can, and we'll take our next question. Thanks, Nick. We've got a live question, and that live question is from our viewers, Rory. With the APMG change management courses, what advice would you recommend after completing the foundation exam to best prepare for the practitioner exam? All right. Now, Diane, you've lived this life in real life. So it's going to come to you first for your thoughts, please. And then we'll hear from Shanice. Thank you very much, Nick. So you can also use index markers with the names of the chapters so that during the exam, you don't have to be panicking to get to the particular chapter. Also, you can color code these index cards so it's also easier for you to recognize and go to the chapters in your exam. 
Yeah, that's a really important um, difference with certain exams. You know, some are what's called open book, and that allows you, mm. as this one does, to bring in to the examination the um, the book, the guidance, if you like, uh, upon which the examination is based. Because the practitioner exam is not so much about the knowledge side of it, it's about how you apply the knowledge and it's constructed with that in mind for you to be able to use that resource. So super useful tip and technique there from Diane. Thank you very much indeed. Um, Shanice, your thoughts, please. And then we'll hear from Etienne. So the change management practitioner exam is a longer exam than the foundation. So my best recommendation would be to sit a sample exam um, to understand the time length and the difference you would be used to sitting the foundation because you've just completed that. So jump up and sit the sample exam so you understand what is required of you during those two and a half hours. It's quite a big time jump. So really uh, work on and use that to your advantage. Yeah, just, rem just remind us, Shanice, how long is the foundation? 40 minutes. Okay, so that really is a big difference then, isn't it? So you're going from 40 to uh, whatever it is, um, two, two, and a, two hours, and two and a half hours. hours, did you say? Right. Yes, two okay. and a half hours. Right, very good. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much indeed. Etienne, your thoughts, please, and then Marion. Um, so so just um, kind, of, kind of talking about the point of post-it notes and kind of marking your book. I'm sitting here with the book right in front of me, 600 pages. Only 100 is really used in the exam. So make sure you know where to find the information you need for the exam. Um, and then, you know, work through a practice paper. Um, the practice exam for the practitioner exams is really important. Um, it's, you know, I find that you learn so much by working through a practice paper. Um, and then think about what you learned in foundation. You don't really learn an awful lot extra in the practitioner course. The practitioner course is really about taking what you've learned in foundation and figuring out how to apply that. And so start thinking about all of those things that you learned in the foundation course and think about changes that you went through in your organization or changes that you've been through in life and think about how some of that affected you and how you would respond differently now that you have this new insight. And for me, that's the best way to prepare for the practitioner change management exam. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Marion, you teach a lot of people change management. What, what are your yes. thoughts on prepping for practitioner? Okay, well, particularly for the change management one, with the textbook being as, as sort of fat as it is, um, there's actually a document that APMG have put out called something about examinable text. And that's a, a document that actually explains the sections of the textbook that are, are going to be used in the exam. So it's probably about a third of the textbook, if it's even that amount. So it's good to have that document. And you can also take that document into the exam with you. So make sure that your, your training provider gives you that document and explains to you how to use it. You can also take your textbook into the exam, obviously, and everybody's already spoken about putting the tabs and everything in place but just take it a step further and learn the um, table of contents in the front of the the textbook so that you understand how that textbook is laid out and then if you sort of take the syllabus there's there's four aspects to change management there's change in the individual change in the organization your stakeholders and communication and then there's also change practices so if you understand how the textbook is laid out and how each of those syllabus areas fits into the textbook because for example they'll ask you some questions that you think might relate to stakeholders but actually relates to the organization or something else so just make sure that you really understand how that textbook fits together use the examinable text and use your syllabus to make sure you've got the full picture yeah, it's it's such an important thing, and and here comes from the voice of experience, you know, um, from Etienne and from uh, Marion, the value of working with an experienced, accredited training organisation to help you learn this content. Right now, they're not going to be with you in the meetings when you're hitting those barriers to change. 
as part of your transformation program. They're not going to be there sitting beside you. But the knowledge and the experience that you um, acquire through professional training is going to be there. And that kind of echoes the points that were made a little earlier, that the primary purpose of going on a course is to learn new stuff. The qualification crystallizes your aptitude for learning new stuff into a um, provable, certified, evidence base that you know your stuff. And then in the meeting, it's your lived behaviors that demonstrate to colleagues that you're able to apply those learnings in real life. Okay. So I would say join us on LinkedIn. <laughs> Okay, reach out to the folks who are on this panel. Send us a little request, okay? Become part of our network. Let's learn from each other. Join in the Level Up community and begin to help yourself and other people, all right, level up their careers. That's entirely, in a nutshell, in a nutshell, that's kind of what we're about, you know, in doing all of this work um, every week with you, okay? It's about us helping each other so that when you're in that meeting, when you, your colleagues are flat spinning, you know, who, when they're, they can't see a way forward, that you can be the voice of common sense, all right, that provides that leadership in that situation, all right, to others. That's what we're here for, to help you feel confident and capable to do that in real life. So really good advice. Thank you so much, uh, panel, for your time. Um, that's excellent. Charlotte, if we can, let's take our next question. Thanks, Nick. Uh, this is a question from Scott. Scott asks, can you suggest a strategy on how to approach the questions during the exam? Okay. Um, Marion, how do you do this? Because over two and a half, we just had one exam now, it's two and a half hours. What should be our strategy mm. for approaching questions? All right. Well, um, I'm convinced that the APMG actually make the first couple of questions really hard to scare the living daylights out of you. Now, whether this is actually true or not, I'm sure it's not. But anyway, um, I don't know. It's probably just my level of panic at the start of an exam that I start, oh, no, I don't know the answer to this. So um, what I always do is I go right through the exam paper. And if I get to a question that I'm not sure what the answer is, I always sort of try and do my best guess and then I flag the question. And then I go through the whole exam, which means that when I get to the end of exam, if I run out of time for any reason, at least all the questions are answered with, with your best guess. And then if you've still got time left over, go back through the exam and only check the ones that you flagged. I actually watched one of my students the one day go back, recheck his answers and rubbing out the right answers and putting in the wrong answers. Normally your first um, idea of what the answer is, is normally correct. So don't second guess yourself by checking answers that you're relatively confident about. Thanks, Nick. Okay. Yeah, using that little flag in the online exams is fantastic. By the way, you know, the vast majority of people these days take their exams online because it's smarter, faster, better for the environment, and also gives you the ability to, to kind of bookmark, if you like, or set a little flag as a good mm -hmm. reminder for you to come back later on and, and just um, address that question. Um, excellent. Thank you so much. Etienne and then Diane. Yeah. Um also, when you are writing a multiple choice exam, um, my advice is always to eliminate answers that you know are wrong. Um, and even if you're uh, even if you're not sure which of the answers is correct, <coughs> by eliminating one or two out of four answers, you're immediately making it a 50-50 chance. And then you're making an educated guess, which boosts your likelihood of choosing the right answer even more. And so for me, that is always a really good technique is get rid of the answers that you know are wrong. Um, get them out of the way and then pick the best answer out of what's left. Um, and then I can't stress enough uh, the importance of not changing your answers. The, and the problem, the problem is if you do that too early on in the exam as well, if you go back two or three questions and change an answer, you start second guessing everything you do after that. And then you'll know the right answer, 
And you will make the assumption that because you want that answer, it can't be right. And you'll go and choose the wrong answer on purpose. So my advice is, unless you, unless you, unless you have, unless you are absolutely 100% certain that you chose the wrong answer, don't change anything. Stick with your, okay. stick with your initial answer. Okay, I feel a quote from Star Wars coming on any minute now about the force and all of that good stuff. Okay, very good. Uh, Diane, your thoughts on this? Then we'll hear from Shanice. So one strategy can be looking at the number of questions in the exam and mentally allocating the time for each question and sticking to that time so that you don't spend too much time on one question. And also for the practitioner exam, because you are basically demonstrating your competence in the area, an approach can be, and it's an acronym, S-T-A-R, where the S stands for situation, T is a task, what is to be done, A is the action took, and R is the result of the action. This approach can help you to strategize and prepare a good response to your question. All right. Excellent. Very good indeed. Thank you so much. Um, I love that STAR acronym. We'll get that across into the social chat um, as well uh, for people who are watching online. Shanice, your thoughts on the strategy to approach questions? I think sometimes, especially as adults, we skim read. We read as quickly as possible, especially when we're nervous. Take a second to slow down and read the question. What are you actually being asked? Don't make an assumption on what you think the question is. Read the question and then answer it. That, that's so important, isn't it? Because we do do that, all right? When, when we're um, learning to read, um, mm. you know, as a child, we stumble over every word. And um, uh, in doing so, um, we... We, we have to almost phonically sound out different phrases, don't we? And then after a little while, our brains start to recognize the whole word. And so we say it fluently. And then whole phrases and sentences and even paragraphs and so on. And I think there is a risk in that. There's a real risk in that, Shanice. How many times have we received an email from somebody that's increased our blood pressure only to reread it later and, and actually it's got an entirely different flavor to it <laughs> because we're under pressure and we're trying to read things quickly and we're guess we're actually guessing we're not we're not reading the words we're guessing okay and whilst that's lovely when you're driving your car listening to your favorite song on the radio because you're so familiar with it that you can sing along all right thank goodness there's Nobody else sitting next to me when I'm doing that. But that's the kind of syndrome that causes problems in an examination. All right? Just take your time, as Etienne said. Rule out the things which it cannot be. All right. Read the question super carefully. Use that star technique from Diane and consider the overall timing and approach. So it's a brilliant question. So thank you so much for submitting it. Okay, I think we've got time for one or two more questions, but we might need to rush. So um, with that in mind, Charlotte, let's take our next question, please. Thanks, Nick. And this is a question close to my heart. It's from Rose. How can I stop procrastinating? Oh, no, that kind of question we can only answer tomorrow, I'm afraid. Uh, but let's see what we can do. <laughs> Etienne, jump in. Save me from my own procrastination, please. Right. I, I like to get a friend to check up on me. So I'll set myself something to do and I'll say to a friend, can you phone me at three o'clock or send me a WhatsApp at three o'clock and check that I've started or check that I have done whatever it is that I want to do. And then I also bribe myself with rewards. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I, will, I will set myself a task and I will offer myself a reward for when I've done the task. And it, it's often the thing that I'm going to do instead of the thing that I need to do. And I'll say, right, I need to do the thing that I need to do. And then I can reward myself with the thing I want to do. Okay. All right. That's a great way around to do it. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah. Uh, Marion. 
You could also reward yourself with chocolates. So if you've studied a certain number of pages, you can have a certain amount of chocolates, but I digress. All right. So in terms of how to stop procrastinating, the one thing I found works very well for me is to actually set the date for the exam. Then you've got a deadline and you know when you've got to get to that. Another thing that works very well for me is to think, well, what would happen if I don't pass this exam? And it could be something severe, like you could end up reporting to someone half your age in a couple of years or something like that. And that generally sort of motivates you to sort of continuously learn and just to make sure that you keep your career on track. Look at the bigger picture. Yeah, uh, so it's it's a really important kind of thing for us to you know for us to consider. I I certainly agree with the you know the thoughts about getting some third party intervention holding you to account. You know, accountability is an important thing, and we do sometimes struggle. You know, when we're on our own, all right, to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. There's there's also an element as well that I would you know consider for you um, that's quite useful. Um, I do quite like setting uh, an alarm on my phone, all right, when I'm doing study so that I know that for the next 30 minutes, even if it's only 30 minutes, until that alarm rings, that's what I'm doing. So I kind of use the uh, the mechanism of time and the little handheld phone, all right, as a way of saying, you know, until that alarm rings, all right, this is just the thing that I'm doing. And personally, yeah, at the end of that, I may I may allow myself a Jaffa cake or something like that, just as a little reward <laughs> to be able to say, yeah, I've got that done. Really good. Thank you so much. Um, Charlotte, I think we're running out of time on the question side of things. So I think we'll take our final question for today, if we may. Thanks, Nick. And I think this is a lovely question to end the show on. It's from Murat and he asks, sorry, he or she asks, what is your top exam tip? All right. So, panel, we're going to walk around the panel. We'll start with Shanice, if we may, and then we'll come to Diane next. I wouldn't normally say this is my exam top tip, but actually it's so important. Making sure you're hydrated. There is nothing worse than sitting an exam when you have a headache, you can't concentrate, and you just need a drink. If you remain hydrated throughout the day, you will feel so much better sitting that exam than if you have, if you, you know, so you've scrimped on water. <laughs> All right, excellent advice. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Diane and then Etienne. So always be well rested before an exam. So mentally you'll be able to understand the, what the question is asking. So I think that's the tip that I can offer. Absolutely. Thank you very much indeed, Diane. That's great. Um, Etienne, your thoughts, then we'll hear from Marion. Yeah, for me, in the exam, keep an eye on your time. There's nothing worse than running out of time and you've still got lots to answer. So figure out your kind of time per mark and then pace yourself. Yeah, it's such a useful mental reference to be able to have. You know, if I'm halfway through, it should be halfway through, if that makes sense, or a quarter of the way through. You know, just make it easy on yourself, you know, and uh, approach it in that way. And then you're running at a certain pace to to reach that marathon line on time. Excellent advice. Thank you so much. Marion, your thoughts? I think just know yourself really well in terms of your energy levels. So if you tend to be a bit of a morning person and you've got the option as to when you book your exam, then book it for the morning. If your energy levels seem to rise in the afternoon, then book an an afternoon exam. That that is really, really good. I've not thought about that, Marion. I've not thought about that. And I'm definitely a morning person. So I would absolutely Mm -hmm. agree with that. If you can do, you know, choose the following morning rather than, you know, the end of a busy day, then that could make a significant difference um, to you if you happen to be one of those folks, you know, who perform best uh, first thing in the morning. I know others are not like that. So much depends on your own, you know, kind of personality, I suppose. There. The other thing that I would say, you know, my top tip for everybody is, you know, as an adult, I think we get some things out of perspective. All right. We really do. We kind of beat ourselves up. We have this kind of imposter syndrome thing that sneaks in and seeds doubt, you know, into our minds and so on. 
just set that to one side, all right? Um, this is, you know, something for you, all right? It's a rewarding experience, you know, that feeling, that warm glow of achievement, all right, is just around the corner for you. So believe in yourself, mm. you know, you've worked hard, you've done your best, you've learned some things, lots of things, okay? And now you're ready to crystallize that learning into this qualification and gain that recognition. So believe in yourself. Right. Take take that moment, you know, to feel good about it, you know, as you're going through the exam experience. Yes, I'm sure you will form opinions as to what it was that the panel who designed the examinations, our chief examiners and all of the supporting examiners that work with them, what were they thinking, you know, when they came up with this one to challenge us? But what's lovely is that across that time period and the whole syllabus of examinable text you know, that we're using from the guidance is um, an opportunity for uh, you to be able to demonstrate that you understand it and that you can use it in real life. So very good. Thank you so much. Um, Panel, you've been absolutely amazing. Um, Folks online, you've been brilliant today in raising some key questions for us to be able to answer. So I'd like to come to closing remarks, if I can, panel. Um, So Marion, if I may, I'll come to you first and then Etienne. Thanks, Nick. I think, you know, regardless of of how um, frightening or scary it can be to to write an exam, just think about what's going to be the result at the end of that exam and how it can improve your career and ultimately your life. And also um, set a very good example for your children. If they watch you study and see you doing exams, they know that this is something they can look forward to as well in their careers. And that's Studying doesn't stop when you leave school or uni. Thanks, Nick. Absolutely right. Thank you very much. Some great advice there. Great reflections as well. Etienne, your thoughts, please, and then we'll hear from Shanice. I think the key to every exam is preparation. You've got to be prepared. Um, So pay attention in your class. Participate in the course. Um, That gives you so much of a boost for your exams. So, you know, Put the effort in before the exam. The exam is just the last step. Um, so, yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Shanice. And then Diane? I think we should all remember how important it is to feel these emotions when you're sitting an exam. It's important to feel nervous. It's important to occasionally fail. And it is important to pass. You know, remember those feelings because you're not, going to just experience this in exams you're going to experience this in other areas of your life yeah it's really really important um these little moments of truth if you like you know throughout our careers um come up time and time again um diane your thoughts please and then we'll hear from charlotte so success is the sum of small efforts repeated day in and day out. So it's important that you study continuously, if not every day, because I know it's not possible, but at least on a continuous basis. And also you can look at some of the resources online, which can be the World Bank website or Agile Business Consortium website. And these can provide you with some practical knowledge and information. Thank you very much. Yeah, we have we haven't. Yeah, it's a good point, Diane. Thank you so much for bringing it up. We didn't touch too much on those wider resources. You know, the reading around the mm-hmm. subject. You know, the the best practices and the communities upon which the guidance is all based. So, really good advice there, actually, to give you that situation and that context in which to be able to perform. Very good. Thank you so much. And um, Charlotte, your thoughts and reflections on today, please. I think just to echo what has just been said about the additional resources that you can obtain, apmginternational.com has a wealth of supporting materials and advice. Level up your career episodes, searching for questions after a show has taken place, wealth of commentary and stuff that you may not learn in the handbook. A big thank you to our panelists and viewers today can't do this without you and can't help our viewers in the way that we do without our expert panelists.
Yeah, that's a good point. Really, really well made. Thank you so much, Charlotte. Thank you on behalf of everybody who's been online to our panel. Um, and also just looking at the folks who have joined us today and joined in as part of the Level Up community online. You know, it's been brilliant. Thank you very much indeed. Um, your contribution has really produced a great show. And that's why we call you producers. All right. What we get to talk about is what you want us to talk about and without you it doesn't really work at all so i'd like to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your excellent questions today uh, great job and um, look out for your name in the credits if your question was selected so um over on our website, of course, um, to Charlotte's point, you can search for answers to more than 1,400 questions that have been previously put to different panels. Um, it, it connects you with more than 140 experts from around the world. And don't forget that you can listen to the audio versions of the shows on your preferred podcast platform. Coming up Friday on Friday the 9th, we're going to be sharing some of the secrets about how to improve how you look and sound in virtual meetings on Zoom and Microsoft Teams and other platforms before building up our commercial awareness together and sales skills on Monday the 12th. And that's particularly aimed at people who are a technical specialist in your organization. Subscribe to the show and we'll send you a personal summary of what's coming up. And of course, how you too can join us here on the panel and level up your career with APMG. Thanks very much, everybody. We'll see you next time.